Well, let's uh, bow for a word of prayer first. Our most gracious God and heavenly Father, as we turn to your word and look into it, uh, Lord, we pray that you'd open our eyes, open our ears, and open our hearts to receive what it is that you may have to, to give to us this day. And help me, Lord, to handle your word uh, with great care. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. If you could open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we'll be starting in verse 6. So 2 Corinthians 9, starting in verse 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Being enriched in everything to all bountiful in us, which causeth us or cause, causeth through us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Whilst by the experiment of this ministration, they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men. And by their prayer for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. So this portion of scripture is really a clarion call for us to not be miserly in our giving or in our service, in our obedience or in our good works. Clearly, Paul penned this through the leading of the Holy Spirit to impress upon us the importance of being generous. And I thought, oh, however, it's, you know, pretty easy to inadvertently make our focus in this portion all about us and our good works, if we're not careful. And when we feel we're doing good, there's a very real risk of becoming prideful. We know in our regenerated hearts that when we are obedient to the commands of God and do good works for others, that it is only because of God working in us. He is the author and finisher of our faith. But at the very same time, our selfish flesh can drift toward the attaboys of, and, and feelings of self-sufficiency and, and pride can rear its ugly head. And that's why in the portion we have before us that Paul emphasizes that the administration of this service comes from the grace of God and not from ourselves. And then suddenly, as with a great big exclamation point, almost out of nowhere, Paul brings closure to the passage with such a pithy statement in verse 15. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Throughout his entire life as a Christian, Paul was in constant thought of the riches of Christ, the glories of Christ, the love of Christ, the beauty of Christ, the holiness of Christ. And he brings us to a crescendo here in verse 15. 
Yeah, this verse is very popular at Advent time. You see it often on Christmas merchandise, like shirts and banners, and often in Christmas cards. And it is fitting and right for us to be thinking of Jesus Christ as that unspeakable gift from God. But I think we often look at it quite flippantly. We can easily overlook the enormity of the verse. There's so much truth and depth in the eight words of verse 15. And so I want to focus our minds on it with our remaining time today. First of all, our verse begins with thanks be unto God. The thanksgiving for this unspeakable gift is all to be unto God. Without God, we would not have our very being, much less the gift of Christ. God is the sole provider of this gift. Man did nothing but commit the sins that led God to mercifully provide his son as the mediator. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And at the first verse in the book of John, um, it so eloquently states, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And of course, later in the same book, Maybe the most well-known passage in all of Scripture, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. C.H. Spurgeon wrote this, and I think it's a, a great uh, few sentences. Our expression of thankfulness for God's unspeakable gift would make ourselves all the surer that Christ is ours. A man who has received a gift and never looks at it and never thanks the giver will come by degrees to forget that he has it or to forget the giver and to forget how he came by it. Cultivate a grateful spirit when you think of what a gift you have in Christ. Praise the Lord for Christ. Then you will want to praise him again. And when you have praised him again, you will want to praise him yet again. And the more you praise him, the more sure you will be that he is really yours. Suppose that a man has a garden and that he knows it is his. He is quite sure it is his. But suppose that for 20 years he has always gathered all the fruit of the garden and lived upon it. Then nobody can question his right. He has the right of possession, the right of enjoyment. He received his garden as a gift, and for the last 20 years he has thanked the giver of it. I am sure that his title is clear enough. Oh, how some of you would clear your titles if you praised God more. Your very praising and blessing him would be a re-examination of your title deeds, and your confidence would grow to full assurance. You would not only know that you had received God's unspeakable gift, but you would also know why you had received it. Secondly, I wish to look at the word gift, as Christ is indeed a gift from God, the greatest gift man could ever imagine. God in human flesh, giving up his life as a sacrifice for our sins to reconcile us to himself, a holy and righteous God. Again, uh, Spurgeon put it this way so eloquently, our Lord Jesus must be a gift to us if we are ever to possess him. He could only come to us, sons of men, by way of gift. 
consider the dignity of his person for a minute and then ask, how is it conceivable that we could have deserved that such a person as he should come here and live and die that we might be saved? I can conceive of a man meriting this or that honor among his fellow men, but when I think of the Prince of Life, the Lord of Glory, equal with the Father, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, very God of very God, and when I see him giving himself up to die for men, my very blood boils at the thought that we could ever have deserved that sacrifice. One is indignant that human pride should dare to go the length of even imagining that a life of perfection could have deserved to be rewarded by the gift of Christ. Nay, my brethren, if we had kept God's law without a flaw, if there had been no omission of duty and no commission of sin, and we could have taken the compound merits of a perfect world and laid them at the feet of God, they could not have deserved that Christ should become man, that Christ should live in poverty, that Christ should die in shame for man. There would have been no need of Christ's death if man had not sinned. But had there been a supposable need, Christ's sacrifice could not have been deserved even if we had remained innocent, like our first parents in the Garden of Eden before the fall. I am sure that none of you could, for a minute, tolerate the thought that any human merit should deserve the incarnation of God upon this earth, the coming of the divine Son in our nature into this world, and his shameful death upon the cross of Calvary. Very poignant words from from Spurgeon. And finally, I want to draw our attention to the word unspeakable in our text. The original Greek word here is, and I, I might mess it up, anekdiagetos. It is only found one time in the entire New Testament. It means indescribable. The gift of Christ is truly indescribable. Um, I will quote from Spurgeon one more time here because he says this so eloquently. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gifts, said the Apostle Paul, and so say we. Why, says one, do you speak about him then? Well, principally because he is unspeakable. By this time, after nearly 1900 years, if the theme we have to preach about were speakable, we should have exhausted it. But as it is unspeakable, a sea without a shore, an ocean without a bottom, we will keep on preaching for another 1900 years if the Lord does not come. And we shall never get to the end of this theme, I am quite sure. I thought on this, and tell me, can you relate to this experience? You are before God at the throne of grace. And an overwhelming feeling of the presence of God surrounds you. With a great desire to praise and worship the Lord, you begin to try to put your thoughts and words together to describe the majesty of Christ and lift up his holy and precious name. Wrestling and struggling as you may, it feels impossible to do. You've gone through every possible superlative you can think of, and are awestruck with the realization that the warmth, affection, and adoration the Lord has placed in your heart, you are unable to use adequate human words to describe. You feel like that young child picking up a baseball bat and heading for the batter's box. In your mind, you can see yourself hitting that ball over the wall. 
But with all your strength and everything you have in you, all you can manage to do is dribble a meager ground ball. The groaning and sighing begins to replace your efforts to speak about the Lord. Tears begin to flow as you realize that the gift of Christ is truly unspeakable. And you groan and sigh in between fragmented sentence structures. You're keenly aware of what he has done for you, but you're not able to put it into words that come anywhere near to the completeness of what you have experienced because of his grace and mercy. It's not flowery words the Lord desires to hear from his dear children. It's not well-structured sentences spoken to him with an air of human confidence that God wants. He is looking for us to glorify him by dying to our own self-will with a recognition that Christ is everything and that he is unspeakably wonderful. Amen.